All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another night of the climb, the StarCraft II podcast focused on the Below Masters Blue Collar Leagues. I am your host, Will, aka Lord Cranial. Hello, my name is Dan. I go by Captain Hoppa. Each episode, we will dive into the ups and downs of the Diamond Ladder experience while searching for the secrets to get good. Yeah, we're just two normal players looking to get to that next rung of the ladder, and we hope you enjoy the discussion tonight. For today's topic, we are discussing our favorite pros, describing their play styles, uh, you know, things we can try to copy, our favorite things about certain players. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to diving in. Yeah, but before we dive into that topic, uh, Dan, I do have a question for you. How is the ladder treating you this week? Uh, pretty good. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday when I laddered, I had a a pretty rough start, I'd say, to the start of it. But I ended up playing a lot of games. And uh, in the second half, it was it was one of these days where it's just like I'm winning very like quickly and decisively. Uh, so that's always like a nice a nice note to end on. It felt really nice, you know, and uh, I'm being a little more experimental in certain areas of my play, mainly like ZVP. I've been messing around more with like uh, like plus one melee builds for Stargate and just just kind of playing around with the uh, that upgrade because it's it's a very different power spike compared to the other things. And you can do a lot with it. You know, I, I'm realizing it's it's a lot more flexible than I have thought of it in the past. You know, it's also one of these things where in a ZVP game that you're expecting to go the distance 15 minutes plus, uh, it, it's actually not a bad place to start and to kind of build off of. Like if you um, if you start with plus one melee, you can get plus two melee right down the corner, then you can get Banelings and then you can, you know, you can have a chance to really uh, make some magic happen. Uh, so I've been messing around with that. It's going pretty well, you know. Uh, other than that, I you know the other matchups, it's it's about the same. ZVZ is still just sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not so great. But you know you're just uh, I'm I'm hoping for my aggression to pay off and uh, just trying to stay flexible and all that. And yeah, yeah, I noticed in your ZVZs you're starting to hit a lot more players who are just doing like that lurker turtley style. And honestly, like. <laughs> Every time I see you play that, I just like, I get these like TVT flashbacks. I'm like, oh God, no. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So that's actually my low light. I have a, I have a game, I have a game to talk about there, but <laughs> the, the quick summary, the quick summary is that I need to just pretend it's mech, you know, like I need to just say, I'm going to pretend these are siege tanks and I'm going to play it like I would mech. I'm going to have the same mentality I would for mech because a lot of the times I know I'm ahead, like I know I'm ahead in supply. And if you're ahead in supply in ZVZ, I feel like a lot of the time you can just go across the map and kill them, right? And that's kind of my bread and butter as a as a Zerg too, like killing somebody with a massive roach army, like that's, that's my jam. But if there are lurkers out, I need to just pretend that they're like eight siege tanks and just, because I wouldn't do that in ZVT. If there were eight siege tanks, I wouldn't do that. But in ZVZ, I, I have trouble accepting it. And uh, I'll get into the details on that one uh, a little bit later, maybe. I had a couple of thoughts on that, but we can we can save it for later. Um, for ZVP, you said that you're experimenting with those uh, plus one timings. Is it 
I'm curious what you meant by it's a, a different type of power spike. What what exactly did you mean by that? Um, so the the thing is, is that you can, if you have plus one lings and you have, you know, 20 plus of them, it is a very, very powerful army. Um, and it's relatively early and it's not that expensive either, right? Like it's, it's just lings. Like, yeah, you do invest some larvae and you do invest some uh, minerals into it, but you can you can do a lot to deny a third base, kill a third base, force a lot of warp ins at the wall. Like even if you just manage to like sneak six or eight lings into the main, in the blink of an eye, those lings can shred an entire mineral line. You know, and uh, it's it's just it's a different it's a different feel. You know, and um, I kind of like it too because it's. I don't know. It's just different. And, and and again, I think I was kind of talking about this last time where it's like, I'm kind of tired of doing the same exact build in every instance in ZVP. And uh, I'm trying to get more comfortable with like a Ravager Bane kind of style. Um, I'm not always allowed to play it because a lot of my opponents will make a lot of Stargate units. So when I do get a chance to play it, it's still very exciting. And uh, it's fun. It's a fun unit comp. You know, you blow up a lot of stuff and uh, you can have a good time with it. Yeah. So have you been, I mean, you know, we, you can't predict what your ladder opponents are going to do, but have you been doing any customs with uh, some other Protosses to practice this one-one timing? Or uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I did a bunch of custom games with the uh, you know the great Helium Bunny, uh, as you do, and uh, you know I also can tell that she's kind of experimenting too with different things as well. You know, it's one of those. So um, I also find myself in situations that are new to me, uh, like a protoss glaive opener versus plus one lings which is not great but it's not the worst it's not the worst thing uh it can definitely go either way like i'd rather have the plus one than not but it's just different it's just different experience and like um you know i i think healy was also kind of playing around with a lot of two base timings and things like that and um for two base stuff that's that's stuff that like i have to tell myself to not queen walk it because it's it's a bad idea and uh, I did that on the ladder a couple times last time and that uh, wasn't great but you know I was I was kind of on autopilot you know so um, it, it's it's more about learning learning the situations and uh, testing testing it out you know yeah I, de I definitely get what you mean about the uh, like kind of the two base protoss setup it's something that I do see or tend to see a lot in the ladder and you know Healy will throw it in every once in a while but it, it's one of those instances where you don't see the third base when your attack moves out and then suddenly you're just you're just thinking all right well i i can't do anything here the colossus is going to pop like what am i going to do versus this but it, it's good to hear that you've been uh experimenting here uh just a little bit do you actually get to practice the ravager bane much on ladder i know you said that you know your ladder opponents don't always tend to uh you, you know tend to play the the way that you you need them in order to practice but do you get to practice it at all yeah i mean kind of it, it really depends on on what they want to do so i'm kind of at the mercy of their decisions but um you know even if it's even if it's like a two or three void opener i can still make a lot of plus one lings and that's still a pretty good investment for me um it's still going to depend on how they like set up the defense at their third or how the batteries are um, or how many gateway units they decide to put in augment to those. And like you can still do Baneling runbys versus a Stargate player. It's just it, it's it's just a challenge sometimes if they're never gonna go on the map, 
you know, because then they're just at home and they just once they slowly fly over to the, to where your units are, it, it, it's kind of dead. And if you made a lot of Ravagers, it's like super dead and super expensive. So that's why you you really shouldn't invest too much. But you can still invest, you know, a decent amount into uh, into Baneling runbys and and uh, doing doing that sort of stuff to try to get eco damage uh, because I think that's very valuable. And um, I had a couple games too where it's like. You know, I'm I'm dancing around with my Roach Ravager army just so the Banelings can get in. You know, and it's like I want like <laughs> there was a game where I was like killing the rocks on Berlingrad. You know, outside the natural, um, I was killing the rocks out there, and I was like, I hope he sees me and thinks like like he can like jump on me, and he did, and he he was like, oh, I'm gonna attack this Zerg who's killing rocks, and and so you know, uh, I took a lot of damage on the army, probably more than I should have, but like I got eight Banelings into a mineral line and killed every probe, so. Um, I'll take that. I'll take that any day, and uh, it, it it felt nice. Yeah, uh, your little baneling run buys, buys like they they tend to be pretty powerful and ruin whatever I'm trying to do. So I couldn't imagine a Protoss player like having to go through that. But um, are you are you still kind of like in this experimental phase where you're not you're you're still trying to get the hang of it, and you're not necessarily winning games, but you're still learning things? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. It, it's something that like I I don't think it will. I think it's good that I'm just trying different things uh, because it's also been a while since I've tried new things in ZVP, honestly. So, um, and lings are good, and lings are used in every matchup. So, you know, getting getting good with lings and and multi pronging and all that that's that's kind of my jam, and it's one of my favorite things to do, right? Especially when you start, you know, um, like playing with your opponent's attention is is something I really enjoy, and it can be very very satisfying when it uh, goes your way. Yeah, as somebody who also likes to toy with the uh, well, not just Protoss, but any opponent's attention, it's uh, it's pretty satisfying when you can make it happen and then do just irreparable damage versus them. But yeah, that's 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 good to hear. Uh, any thoughts on ZVT? It wasn't something you really mentioned all that much. Ah, uh, nah. I mean, it's uh, I th I feel like it's been going pretty well. You know, that there's still a lot of ZVTs that will slip through my fingers or uh. You know, just just the Terran will be dead from the opener, but I still play it out because you know that's that's part of the game plan is is getting ahead in the opener and then playing it out. But um, those aren't like the most exciting games because I know I'm very comfortable in those situations, especially when I'm very far ahead. It's just like, yeah, I know what to do. Like I and I also know what they can do to me, so it's not the most like dynamic games sometimes. Uh, but you know, it it feels nice, <laughs> and I feel confident in it. So I'm actually curious, though, because based on my own ladder experiences, have Terrans been kind of weird on the ladder recently for you? Like, have they been doing any kind of, like, really odd timing pushes or, you know, just anything kind of strange or out of the ordinary? I, w I wouldn't say so. Um, I will say that every time I try to play Ling Bane on the ladder, uh, I've run into weird Terrans who do stuff that catches me off guard or just pummels me into submission. Which is funny because it's also like if I was playing Roach, I would have been able to deal with this. But it, I'm already, I'm already there. You know, like I'm already, I'm already committed to it. So um, I, I don't sometimes have the ability to switch that deep into it. Um, but no, I mean honestly, I, I here's the thing I've kind of come to terms to with, uh, with the Roach opener that I do, is that the Roach opener is such a good equalizer of like weird Terran choices, especially in the early game. And uh, one of the examples is there's a guy that I've played a couple times, and uh, every time every time I play him, he does the low ground wall off. So he'll wall off with like a barracks and a factory on the low ground, 
and then usually get a tank or something and then kind of go into mech from there. But if I do the Roach opener, I, I do phenomenally well against that wall, even if he has a decent amount of defense there. Like, it just times out to where I can get super far ahead from whatever weirdness they're doing. And uh, I think even if they're doing weird stuff, I can... <laughs> I just thought of another game. I can I can crush it uh, with that, and I'm not even all in, right? Like I'm not even I'm not even that committed to it. I'm just doing it. Um, the other example is that I played a guy who did. Uh, I don't know if I talked about this game, but it was an embarrassing game. But he did a one base marauder marauder rush, so he basically had like five medevacs and like a crap ton of marauders and marines and hellions, and did it all off a of one base and basically yoloed into my base, and uh, I died. Like I had, I didn't have enough to deal with that. Uh, but then I, I ran into him again. He was doing the exact same build, and I did my roach opener this time, and I just straight up killed the the first hellions he made and like won the game because like it, he, the first thing he makes is like eight hellions, and I just had enough, and it was very satisfying. And I was like, oh, I should have done the roach opener versus him. Good to know. Like I didn't even know that it was gonna hard counter that as 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 well as it did, but it it certainly worked. Yeah, I remember you reviewing that replay actually, and I I was hard to like it was so hard to believe that that happened in the same stream, where you reviewed the replay, you noticed the guy, and then just like rolled over him with a bunch of roaches. Like that was that was actually fantastic to watch. Yeah. With uh, that being said, do you have any uh, highlights or lowlights you'd like to show us? Yeah. Uh, so the highlight is is pretty quick. I don't have too much to say about it, but it was it was during the. Uh my experimental plus one and uh it i don't it was it was one of these games where i was just kind of feeling it out i was gonna get plus one as my opener try to pressure a third base and then kind of go from there and uh i just made the decision i was like hey you know what this is a great time to queen walk you know just based on the units that had come out and the units that were established uh i was like you know what we have enough queens i have enough money I feel like I'm I'm in a good spot. My my plus one upgrade is done, uh, so I was like, let's go. We'll be a little heavier on the lings. We'll still make ravagers. We'll still bring the queens, and uh, we'll we'll crush it. And uh, we we walked across. We did it with we did a queen walk, but it's a little different than I usually do it. Like I had a, a couple more drones. I I obviously had the plus one melee upgrade, which like is typically a decent investment if you're doing such a committed attack. But uh, it worked. It worked. And uh, I was very happy with it because it was a uh, on-the-fly call. Nice. It's good to hear that uh, your game sense is making some improvements. So you're able to make those calls just based exclusively on, you know, what units you see coming out of the Protoss. It's such a it's such a fantastic skill to have, and it really shows that you do have a, a decent amount of game knowledge to be able to make those uh, make those observations and then make a call on the fly. Yes, and uh, I'll talk about that when we get to our pro players too, because <laughs> it's 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 one of my favorite things about a laser is that I think a laser has one of the strongest like killer instincts out of anybody, and he's just like, oh, I'm gonna kill you now, and like, whoop, he'll do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I can get into the low light if you want here. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, this was the ZVZ that I was talking about. Um, basically, it, it started as a normal ZVZ. Uh, I have a two base opponent who is walled off and he is walled off like super committedly, you know, like two spines, like, uh, you know, I, I pressured with lings a little bit, but like you kind of, you kind of know that you're not going to get in, but you still pressure to, 
force a couple of units or, you know, force a mistake or something. So um, I know he's walled off behind two bases uh, from, from this situation. You know, it can only be a couple things, right? It can be an aggressive roach push. It can be a roach nidus, uh, or it could be, you know, mutas or something like that. Um, the, the one thing I'm happy about is that we, uh, we covered our bases and I put like eight links patrolling in my main base just because it'll always, it'll always shut down the nidus in your main. You don't even have to look at it. It'll just take care of itself. Uh, so I was really happy I did that, and it was a nidus, and it was a lurker nidus, uh, which I didn't, I wasn't super prepared for. I, I started to be a little suspicious because uh, it felt like it was hitting later than like a normal queen roach nidus would, and it's just one of these things where you're like, you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and you're like, this is taking a little bit too long for for him to be doing this. It must be weirder. <laughs> it must be weirder than I previously imagined. And uh, yeah, so then he he pops the Nidus out outside my third base. Uh, I wasn't able to shut it down, but it got out. He got the Lurkers out. He had a bunch of Queens in there too. Um, we lose the third. You know, I still feel really good because I had a pretty good drone count and I knew I was economically ahead. And, you know, eventually we're able to break, we're able to break the Lurkers and the Nidus in my third. Um, I, and it, it's it's just one of these situations where it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be a weird game already, right? And, like, I knew I was ahead, but I also knew that, like, there's a lot of questions I have about the next step and the next way to do it. And I saved most of my drones from the third. Uh, he did a Muta switch because, of course, that's what you do when you force out a bunch of Roach Ravager. Um, the thing that really surprised me is that he got to, like, 20 Mutas way faster than I would have imagined. I didn't even know you had that much money uh, on two base to do that. Uh, so we're in the situation where it's 20 plus mutas, which is the scary amount, right? It's it's a much different amount than like seven or eight mutas. Uh, 20 plus is terrifying and uh, it, it did a lot of damage. And, uh, you know, I, I still have a good army. I still have a really strong army. I have a supply lead, but... Uh, I think I lost my hydrogen to the mutas. Uh, you know, he's he's getting value where he can. Uh, I also know that like I can kill him if I were to fight him on the other side. Uh, but we're struggling to get hydras out. We're losing queens because twenty plus is enough to start killing queens pretty easily. And it's just you know it's 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 a mess. Everything's a mess. And we we get to this part where again I'm I'm still up in supply by by quite a bit. I can deny a third base mining. I even killed the third. Um, I'm still trying to get Hydras up in a good enough number, but he's basically keeping the Mutas on my side of the map, and I'm basically staying on his side of the map outside of his natural denying a third base um, for what seems like a long time. I mean, this is like a 20-minute game total, but I was certain he was broke, you know, because I'm mined out, so he's pretty much mined out. I think he had like 38, uh, 38 drones on his natural mineral line uh, with like two patches, so... Um, Eventually, there's a lot of back and forth. I, I drop down. Like, we both take drone damage on both sides. And, uh, I, you know, eventually it just it just got really out of hand. You know, he, he kept canceling my, my outside expansions. Lings were popping out of the Nidus that was still around. Um, again, there's still a scary amount of mutas uh, that you can never, like, quite catch. You can kind of catch them and you can kind of pin them down, but they're still slippery and... Uh, I also think a lot of it is the map too, where you know you're you're still learning the the angles to kind of set up and protect yourself and to learn 
like I feel like a lot of it is learning the the back and forth paths between the bases that the mutas or banshees or whatever will dance around because if you kind of know what direction they're going to go next you can kind of kind of surprise or, or catch them at least a little bit um but again it's still it's still a scary number and uh <laughs> eventually eventually I just got tired and I, I pushed his natural into like eight lurkers and and four spines because I, I was I, I had it I, I was I was at the end of my limits uh, and yeah, the Minas were killing stuff, but I was like, I know my army's better. So I just YOLO'd into lurkers and, uh, that's, that's not really the play. Y y I don't recommend it to, to anybody listening. <laughs> I, I don't recommend doing it, but I was just so frustrated and, and I was very impatient and, uh, I just, uh, I'm done. I'm out. As a seasoned Terran player, I've definitely, like, I see those situations all the time in TVT, and it's it's one of those things where you do have to just, like, slow down and, like, accept that, like, he's going to be in that two bases for literally as long as he possibly can. And, I mean, the only difference is, you know, like, replace the mutas with, like, two battle cruisers or, you know, the Nidus is, you know, just something weird that the Terran's trying to do, like, Banshees or maybe a bunch of Ravens trying to come by and, like, snipe stuff off. And... Like I, <laughs> it, it it was it was so heartbreaking to see you get so fed up with like just the bullshit that was happening in that match. I'm like, no, you got this, man. You got this. Just be patient. You got this, man. Come on. Yeah. Well, it's it's also one of these things too, where it's like like looking at it with like the in retrospective. You know, I'm just like, yeah, we could have chilled. We could have gotten you know a couple more gas geysers. But it's also like. My my mind is so frantic in these moments, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to make hydras. I'm trying to make queens. I'm trying to remake my spores. I'm trying to zone a nidus. I'm trying to do all these things. Um, I'm constantly running across the map to try to pull the mutas back home. Um, you know, we had some, we had a sick roach run by to like completely deny the third, uh, which was like most of all of his income, you know, and, and, you know, I, I'm making good plays, but I'm still just like never settled, you know, like, and I think in StarCraft, when you're unable to settle down, it's really hard to to take a good assessment of the situation. And like, you know, I'm I'm remaking I'm remaking like 14 drones because like I'm I'm checking my drone count and I'm like, oh, we're down to like 33, I guess. Like, you know, you don't even notice it as it's happening. Um, and you know, it just uh, it just wore me down, man. And uh, I also know that it's like. This guy's never gonna move those lurkers. <laughs> like those lurkers are never gonna come to my side of the map. Never, never. Uh, so I just kind of yoloed in. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely know like how you feel. I, like just a couple of nights ago, I had a you know a, a similar experience in a TVT where I basically just threw my entire army away to four tanks and like a handful of marines. I'm just like, yeah, I just I don't want to play this. I'm so worn out right now. I just I I can't do this it's so hard to just like especially against players like that it's so hard to just like take a minute to settle down and realize like where you actually are in that game or you know take some time to like reestablish economy or just like just kill the mutas like that's you know the the whole situation is just like on its head and you're just trying to put out so many fires in so many different places and it, it is really frantic so i can definitely you know, relate to that type of situation. And it's also like, I remember, I remember pushing to the natural. I'm like, Oh, there's probably only like three lurkers <laughs> and there's like eight. And I'm like, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. You got me. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a, Oh dear moment. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah but i was i was ready for it honestly i was i was ready to leave <laughs> yeah I, I feel that and, and i mean like there's no there's no shame in leaving games like that like you can you always pick up another ladder game and face a different opponent and you know you'll you never know what you're going to get next time so i don't think there's any harm in like leaving those games where you just like you just aren't feeling it and i, I think this is something that we have talked about on the podcast before it's just like you know if you're just not feeling good about a game just you can just leave it and like you know queue up another one i mean if if you're getting tilted maybe you know take a breather but like you know you're losing just a couple mmr in the grand scheme of things it's fine yeah I, and i'm i'm very willing to you know if it gets out of hand it's it gets out of hand you know and uh you just gotta you just gotta kind of move on and, and think how you can improve upon that for the future and yeah, if I had two blinding clouds, I think I could have done it. <laughs> I think I could have done it. I don't think I had a hive on the way, but like I, I, I just needed to to just take a couple breaths. But it's hard, man. And you know, I'm if your spirit is broken, your spirit is broken, and uh, I, that's definitely how I felt when I left the game. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. Any other thoughts on your uh, highlights or lowlights, your ladder experience, anything like that? Uh, not really. I mean, well, there's one thing that I, I just think is hilarious, and I'm I'm happy it happened to me is that uh, I was doing a bunch of Ravager Bane versus a Protoss, and uh, I was pretty sure I was dead. Like I knew I knew he was economically ahead, and I knew that uh, his army was better than mine. Um, but I just basically morphed everything I had into Banelings and just kind of ran into his third. And as I'm running into his third, he I see the recall animation go off, and I'm like, oh baby. And then so I literally just like move commanded my banes around the nexus in like an, a beautiful arc and just waited for the recall to come in. And he recalled on top of like 35 banelings and his entire <laughs> his entire army blew up. And I was like, I did not expect that, but uh, I will take it. And uh, oh my god! Again, it, it's it's one of these things where it's like. I'm I'm a big fan of like the last hurrah in a game where you're like you know what I'm dead but like oh, let's try this one thing and then we'll leave, and uh, that was my last hurrah was to just dump a bunch of banelings and uh, hope for the best and it it went way better than I would have expected because he was on the map he was actually pushing me when I was doing that so he like instantly recalled and I think he recalled before he like looked at my army, <laughs> uh, like he just did a really quick recall um, and yeah everything blew up, really satisfying. <laughs> did did you go on to win that game or did you still lose in the end oh yeah no he left uh about 15 seconds after that without a gg <laughs> like uh, you know I, I blew up colossi i blew up immortals uh you know whatever oh other God. gateway units I mean, it was a big recall i think the only thing that he missed in the recall was like three archons on my side of the map but it was quite a nice uh engagement for me that's pretty cool uh it's not often that you hear the last the last hurrah story turn into a, a a happy ending. Yeah, well, it's one of those things, you know. Sometimes you can make magic happen if you if you just believe. Even even <laughs> if your last even if your last hurrah plan is not a good one, you never know. You know, like I didn't know he was going to recall into me, but hey, we'll take it. All right. Well, uh, how how are, uh, how's your ladder going, buddy? You know, it's just it's going. Over the past, or Monday and Tuesday, I played eight TVTs in a row, so I am pretty brain dead when it comes to ladder right now. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, so, I, I mean, I'm doing fine. I, I would say I'm doing fine. We're climbing a little bit, little bit by little bit. But yeah, it's just, it's a lot of TVTs recently. It's just been uh, bringing me down just a little bit. Um, I mean, we're, we're still learning, we're still, you know, getting stuff done, but 
Oh boy. Um, were they all kind of similar TVTs or were they all over the place or kind of hard to say or what? It was e- like, it, it was on like two sides of a spectrum. Like here you have like your hyper turtle mech Terrans, And on this side you have like the one base cheesers. And it was either of the, it would be either of those extremes every single time, every single time without fail. And I mean, I, I got to learn a lot of useful information. Um, like I, I took it back to, you know, the NSGSL replays and people were saying like, Hey, you know, you should just probably like invest in tech. You can still get your third base out on time. And I mean, I was still winning the games, but not as well as I would like to. And then with like the turtlers, you know, I would, I figured out, uh, just ways to keep them contained and, uh, never taking another base, like never being able to actually move out on the map. So, I mean, it, it was on those two extremes. We still like learned some stuff, but oh my God. <laughs> not, not the most enjoyable night of the latter. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not really. And the funny thing is, is that I really like TBT, but if you throw eight TBTs in a row at a Terran player, they're going to lose their mind at some point. I think last night I was eventually just like, you know what, we're just going to go into casting. And then I, you know, I casted some of Asus Rock and I'm just like, you know what, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's always interesting too how you can play one matchup over and over again, but you still get the entire spectrum of the strategies and the skill focuses are vastly different from game to game to game. Um, I feel I feel the same way in ZVZ too, because, you know, you can get you can get crazy people you can get uh you can get regular macro you can get crazy in different ways and and uh you just got to kind of deal with it sometimes and uh yeah man that that sounds exhausting i don't play tvt but i've watched tvt and uh i'm sorry <laughs> well the funny thing is is that the i mean a decent amount of them were just like these fairly short simple games like you know average game length and everybody always is just like, oh, yeah, if you play a TVT, you're in for 45 minutes. Better buckle the, you know, buckle the hell up. But like, I mean, a lot of those games wound up being, you know, fairly short and sweet. You know, they would push out and I'd like just clap back immediately. Um, there were some where it's just like, you know, a 30 minute slog fest. But you, you definitely got to see the entire spectrum of TVT those two nights. Yeah. And so you were just kind of just focusing on just general basic mechanics or just. I, I guess you got to be pretty flexible for, for that kind of situation. When I went into those streams, I was kind of just wanting to work on general stuff, especially like some of my Terran builds, they tend to not be up to par with, you know, my TVP and TVZ builds. So my intention was to work on those, but you know, after you get, you know, a one base, every other game, uh, then the objective just becomes survive. So we I actually wound up focusing a lot more on that instead of uh, what we really wanted to, but getting, getting some experience, you know, dealing with cheeses is always a good thing. And so did you play any other matchups at all or was it just that? I, I did. I mean, yeah, between this podcast and the last one, um, I did get to play, some of the other matchups uh we we did get to play some uh tvz's and some tvps um y- you know I'm, I'm feeling fairly neutral on those two you every once in a while you get the you know the zerg, the zerg player that's like constantly tech switching and you're not quite sure what's going to happen next or you just like outright crush them with like a one one hellbat push tvp it's kind of the same thing um 
either I just go in and like crush them with, you know, like one of the first pushes or, you know, I, they survive and I just like went out in the long run or I just get completely stomped on after my first attack fails. So it's fairly neutral. I think I'm doing, I think I'm doing okay in both of them currently, but you know, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, do you have anything that you've been working on recently specifically? Um, the big things that I've been working on for matchup, like TBT, I'm just trying to get this build down and, you know, just optimize it as much as I can. TVZ, I'm just working on trying to get the, like that 730 Hellbat push to just like go in and just, you know, do a tons and tons and tons of damage and force out as many units as possible. Uh, TVP against the same thing. Um, I'm actually doing two builds in TVT, so like I'm trying to make sure that my three racks... A hits at the right time with enough units, and B that I actually continue the build uh, past the three rack stage, and you know actually have like a factory and other tech down on time. Um, with like a three one one, I'm just trying to make sure that my push goes out at the correct time. So it's it's mostly just you know build order tweaking and making sure that you know everything is actually going out at the appropriate time. No, well, it's also nice too when you are doing a build and then you're like, okay, I have like the attack part of the build down. Now I need to work on the get myself out of this attack kind of part of the build. And, uh, you know, there's there's always more depth to uncover there, at least at least in my experience. And um, I'm glad I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, just for anybody who might be struggling with stuff like that, the best thing that you can do is just like right before the attack, just do a production cycle just go ahead and start putting tech down if you can like just spend all like spend as much of your money as you possibly can and then go attack so that way it's already like it's already going and regardless if you fail the attack or you just like go and you know stomp your opponent like that tech will already be building it'll already be finishing up your next you know wave of production will be finishing up so it, it definitely helps yeah the other the other thing that i do too is if uh if I win the game, if I win the game on my push, I will just do my macro cycles and, you know, like pretend that my queens died and like, you know, like remake them all and redrone the third and start a layer and like all of these follow up steps that like if I were to just leave the game, I wouldn't have that same kind of reaction because for every game that I win with that kind of push, there's also games where it's like, oh, I, I did damage, but I don't think I won or like, you know, it's it's in that weird area and it's like. The faster you can do those uh, those things, it's it's always good to have. So that that's what I I usually just macro a little bonus after I win just to 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 settle down, you know. Yeah, I've noticed that you tend to do that. It, it almost seems kind of like uh like you know like after you run a five k, you have like a cooldown jog just to like bring everything back down to normal. And I, I've always found that really interesting. It's uh, going through the macro cycles regardless and making sure that those mechanics are still tight it's 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 really good really good yeah well the, the way i see it too is I, I try to practice for like the worst case scenario right the worst case scenario is that my push gets demolished you know or like i kill the third base but barely or something like that and and those are the those margins are, are you know they can be pretty uh pretty tight if you're not already ready for the next step and so by preparing for the worst case scenario, I'm just more equipped in those situations and more equipped for the next step. Um, and even though my next step is not like, 
the most elegant solution you know it's usually just like get one one get roach speed get hydras and then just smash in again um if i can execute that more smoothly uh it's great and uh it's always good practice and uh, you know i'm never i'm never the type to deny myself of of good practice and uh you know it helps so uh you got uh, any highlights or lowlights that you want to get into so I mean, a lot of my games, like, you know, they, they've been good. They've been bad. There's not, there wasn't many that stuck out in my mind. I did manage to grab uh, just a, a couple of little gems, and I can, uh, I can go ahead and just start with the low light. It was a TBZ on 2K. You know, it was a pretty standard Zerg. They opened up 16 hatch and, you know, put down the pool and everything. You know, I'm sending the Reaper across, and I put my Reaper actually in the wrong position. Uh, I did not realize that their first four lings were actually just coming right across the map, and I was doing a 3cc build. So, you know, there's not much you can do against four lings when your reaper's across the map. You have one marine posted outside of your natural. So, you know, we take a little bit of damage to that. Our third cc winds up being late. Um, you know, we continue, we try to soldier on, and like we scout the third, we try to scout for tech. We're not really seeing that much. Although probably we were actually seeing a lot. I just wasn't picking up on it at the time. But opponent was just kind of relying on 16 lings and a queen. Or not a one queen, but you know several queens to hold my initial help out attack. And I was just, I was messing this build up so bad. Like my attack hit 30 seconds late, like bad, bad. Um regardless of that i mean we still kind of got in and we were doing some damage but like at the same time that we were attacking you know a huge like like a huge flock of mutas also came out and uh we, we managed to clean up a decent amount of them but you know the the push does get kind of forced back and you know mutas are really really good at uh chasing down medevacs after you know the ignite afterburners uh cools off but I'm trying to like just stay alive. I'm putting down turrets and stuff, but at this point I'm starting to get kind of antsy and I'm getting a little bit tilted with the, uh, you know, just this like sudden switch into mutas. And so I'm, I'm starting to like push when I'm not supposed to be pushing with just too few units. I mean, I'm kind of leaving my bases open for counterattack constantly. And, you know, I'm just trying to make stuff happen when there wasn't really any reason to try and make stuff happen. Like, if mutas are out on the field, like, it becomes very difficult to uh, just push out with, like, smaller armies or try to, like, multi-prong a little bit because the mutas just, they're fast and they can do a lot of damage very quickly if you let them. But I'm trying, like, I, I was literally just trying to push a, like, a square peg into a round hole. I'm just trying to make this work so bad. I also tech switched into uh, like widow mines. I'm just like, all right, well, I'll just blow up the I'll just blow up the flock with widow mines. That's fine. And that's when the Zerg player then made another tech switch into roaches. So now I'm just like confused. I'm like, I, it was kind of the same like the same thought process uh, with your game and the lurkers. I'm just like, where the hell is he getting all of this gas from? You know, I try to switch it back into tanks, and then. If you switch into tanks, you really do want to kind of, you want to be a little bit more passive, wait for 2-2, and then just like make a massive push on the Zerg. But I decided not to do that. And again, I was just like trying to force this to happen. I was losing tanks constantly. I was like, 
you know, I'd have to pull back with the medevacs and the mutilisk would immediately swoop in and just destroy everything. And just like at some point, he just like he just completely cleaned me up, and I was just like frustrated and GG'd out. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, it, it's there's there's that certain level of annoyance that that creates like such an anxiety and such a pressure, even if it's like, like 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 that feeling of having mutas in your base, and you're just like God, I'm, and you're chasing them down, and you're zoning them. They're not doing a lot, but they're there, right? And like you always have that in your mind, and. I feel like sometimes having that just makes you make bad decisions. Like I've definitely done that myself and it's just, uh, it's, it's so, it's so annoying to deal with. And I think the other thing too, is that, you know, we, we always talk about having a plan, you know, like having, having an idea of when you're going to push or when it's going to, how it should play out right in an ideal situation. But, uh, changing that on the fly is sometimes just very challenging. And, and even if, you do make good adjustments to that plan it can still just not work you know and uh yeah i i relate to that that feeling a lot and it's it's always that balance between patience and getting stuff done because when you're like yeah i have to go do stuff i'm like i totally get that you know because you you feel this need to do something about it to, to get out of this situation but sometimes it's a bad call <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like you were saying with the the stressor part, you can know exactly how to beat anything, but the moment that you have this stressor suddenly put onto you and you're having to put out a dozen different fires, everything changes. Just because you know how to do it doesn't mean you know how to do it in the moment. So like, I know that what I need to do is just like, very like lighter harass try to pick off drones with like widow mine drops or something and then like set up for a big 2-2 push but in that game once the mutas came out the only thing i was thinking it was like the only thing i was thinking of was i have to kill this i have to kill this now i don't like regardless of what happens and stuff like that it does take a lot of time and like this is something that used to punish me in tbt a lot it's just like getting impatient and then like running into tank lines to try and make something happen at like at some point like after enough games and enough like getting battle hardened you eventually start to like realize just like okay this is the situation what do we need to do and it's like it's one of those skills that's very difficult to learn yeah uh, it's it's definitely uh it's definitely always a challenge i yeah i i just like i needed to be patient i needed to take a breath and i just it, it just didn't happen i like i started getting frustrated and you know it just did not lead to anything good yeah sometimes i feel like there's there's such this uh when you're playing starcraft there's such an emphasis on like going fast and doing things quickly and decisively that sometimes I feel like that overtakes my ability to use my brain. Like I'll, I'll do it a lot where I go on to autopilot and I'm doing things fast and I'm reacting to things. And you know, I'm, I'm still like pulling my drones and I'm still doing all this fancy stuff, but like, I'm not like taking the time to use my brain. I am just going. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it works cause I'm fast enough, but like, most of the time it forces me into dumb decisions and uh i don't know how to flip that switch in game because just playing a game of starcraft is such a stressful experience i really don't know how to 
how to fix that. But, but I totally, I totally get that feeling. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to find just like a moment to breathe and think in Starcraft because there's always like a dozen different things going on. It's hard skill to pick up. Yeah. It's just hard to find those moments and know when you can take those moments to just be like, okay, let's evaluate this current situation. Yeah. I think, I think the most important thing is to be like, like just to do a reality check and just be like, this is what is the now, you know, like this, this situation that I'm in is probably not what I wanted, but I am in it, you know? And like, it's so hard. It's so hard to do that. And I can do that really well for certain things. Like, like if I scout two factories in a Terran's base and I'm just like, all right, strap it, strap in, strap in for mech. Like I've gotten good at that because I know that like, if I don't make that mental switch early enough, I will die. You know, if I don't make that adjustment as comfortably and as alertly as I can, it's, I'm going to have a bad time. Um, so even though I complain about it when I make that decision, I'm actually, I know that that is an important decision to make in mech. It's just sometimes there's also these situations where it's just so weird or so unexpected that like you you really don't have the ability to make that decision in that situation. Um, I still remember like when I came back from the break and uh, I got Lurker Nidist again. <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, actually i don't even think it was lurker i think it was just nidus in my mind i was just like it was a two-base zerg and like the thought of a nidus it it literally didn't cross my mind at all like it didn't cross my mind until i heard the sound and i was like oh shit i'm dead (laughs) you know like i didn't even see it but i was like oh i'm pretty dead um and and just having that idea in my head of like it might be a nidus it wasn't there you know, because I was a little out of practice or I was a little out of experience. That thought was not there. So my ability to not only like physically in the game be prepared, but also to be mentally prepared, it, there was nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been having some of those moments as well where, you know, the certain situations kind of like trigger a moment where I'm just like, OK, I know what this is. What do we need to do? Um, like in, in particular, like battle cruisers or, you know, like a battle cruiser rush from a Terran, it's just like, Oh shit. Okay. And then you, you know, you have a moment where you're just like, all right, I need some turrets. I need some Vikings and I need to just, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I can chill out here cause he's on one base or moments where you notice that a uh, Zerg has gone up to 80 drones way too quickly. And you're just like, okay, yep. I understand now I'm going to kill you just stuff like that it's not it's not super well refined by any means but it is nice to kind of have those moments where um you know something gets triggered and you just have like you can have a moment of thought and just be like okay this is what it is this is what i need to do well and i think there's so many there's such an infinite number of situations to be in and i think in diamond there's a lot of challenge in the variety of situations you find you're in and if you look at someone who's like a grandmaster it's like yeah, they'll know to like just go kill the other person in that situation. They'll just know, right? Whether it's from scouting or from experience or whatever, they'll just uh, they'll have that ability a lot more readily available and a lot quicker, typically. Um, whereas us, you know, sometimes we got to kind of blunder our way through it and then be like, "Yeah, that was a mistake," or like, <laughs> "Yeah, that wasn't a good call," or "That's not how I envisioned it." But that's that's part of the experience, you know. Yeah, I actually I have a funny story about that. Um... The last time that we did some practice games, uh, I went back and watched our VODs on them. And 
I was watching your side of it and you kind of like walked up and you, you saw the tank in the bunker and you're just like, Oh shit, he's got a tank in a bunker. Did he see this coming? And I was watching my side of it. It's just like, I don't know what's happening. So I'm going to be safe. <laughs> yeah. Just two blind folk in the dark, just kind of trying to, trying to smack <laughs> yeah. each other around. And yeah, I was, yeah, I was like, I, he must've seen it. He must've seen what I was doing. Cause that was, I, I think I, rem- I think I remember that game. Cause that was a game where I was like going to be a little cheeky and do like a, like an eight roach pressure like at a later time but like enough to you know get in there and smack some hellions around um but then there was a tank and i was just like i guess uh i guess it's not gonna work like (laughs) i guess he has the exact thing that shuts down the thing i was gonna do to try to counter the thing he did to me last game it's just one of those hilarious (laughs) moments i guess yeah it was pretty funny to watch back and just like both of us just kind of be oblivious as to what's going on but you know we're diamond players what the hell can you do uh yeah good times for my highlight i actually did have one runner up the game itself was not super spectacular so i'll just i'll just go into the part that really thrilled me uh of course it was a one base terran tank push you know and typically with that you pump out a bunch of vikings sometimes you get a liberator this person didn't you pump out a bunch of tanks and you know you're going to basically contain your opponent on two bases while you try to expand behind that um or outright kill them depending and this was like this was before i you know got some advice on it now you know i was ma- trying to make uh two extra uh barracks to you know pump out a bunch of marines to try and kill it but uh we we started getting contained and i just like I was just trying to stay calm because you know it's it's scary to have a bunch of tanks outside of your base, but it's hard for them to push in, like if you have your own tanks. So I'm just trying to chill out and relax. You know, I lose the bunker, no big deal. We just we move everything back a little bit, and the tanks will still cover. Um, I'm pumping out Vikings, and at some point, uh, opponent decided to kind of overstep because he I guess he thought that I I was dead and that he was just going to move in and kill me. But I see the unsiege and just like there's just this immediate thought in my mind, just like kill him. <laughs> so I like I grabbed all of my Marines. I grabbed a couple. I even grabbed a couple SCVs because I wanted to make sure this died. Um, and I like pushed in and opponent really didn't get a chance to siege up again. You know, there's like six tanks there, six tanks. And they all disappeared to landed Vikings, a one tank, a couple of Marines and a SCV. And I'm just like, whoa. That was pretty cool. But, um, I mean, the rest of the game was kind of... It, it. There wasn't really anything special after that point, so I decided I wasn't going to make that the main highlight. The main highlight is another... It wasn't a one-base Terran, but it was a Proxy Reaper Terran. And it was also one of those Terrans that decide that they want to chat with you before they cheese you. Mm, yep, classic strat. It's such a classic strat. I love it. But anyways, I decided, you know, this time I'm just, you know, I'm going to humor this person. Like maybe they're actually trying to make a friend or something. So, you know, I I was typing stuff out to him, but I was being, I was being very, very, very wary of not messing up my build by typing to him. Like I was, I was super honed in on when I could type to this person and, you know, I'm scouting him and it seems like a fairly normal build, but little did I know that there was a proxy barracks on my side of the map. So it was like, it was like a proxy two Rex Reaper, but not really. So it's kind of hitting a little bit later. I, you know, I defend it. It was a, it was a pretty okay hold. Um, I did make a couple of mistakes, uh, like one too many bunkers, but I mean, we basically bopped the thing back. So 
my next move was to just start moving out with tanks. My main concern is just like, I'm going to make sure that this person does not get a third base. And during like during that thought process, I had a bunch of Hellions and Reapers on the other side of the map, making sure that he didn't take a second base. So the whole time, I'm just like keeping him off of his natural. Eventually, he has to move a tank down to deal with it. But yeah, his like his natural didn't even go down until like 6.30, which that's blows my mind on how late that is. But he was trying to get a third as well as his natural. So, you know, he lifts up the command center and then was like immediately greeted by a bunch of Marines and like a Viking. And he can't put that base down. So I have this Terran just like completely contained on two bases i had like this rove this like roaming uh squad of vikings making sure that he never landed down a base like i'm just flying ahead of this dude um i mean i could have done a little bit better i could have just like started taking more bases and like setting up my infrastructure better but regardless like i'm just i'm literally just rallying across the map and setting up siege tanks as they come across eventually you know uh opponent just like ran out of money like they, they had all of these siege tanks and stuff up on the high ground and they just ran out of money. So their only option was to just like try and start slowly taking the low ground with like liberators and tanks. But at this point, I just have so much that they can't do it. Like my like I have so many Vikings that liberators just don't stand a chance. So eventually opponent, um, they, they try to unseize their tanks and just like move into me. But I had a 180 degree surround just like collapse on them. I mean, I really zerged it. That was that was the closest thing I've ever had to like a a 180 degree roach surround, and I was just like super psyched about it and just like crushed them. And for a chatty opponent, they did not GG me. Of course, because because you didn't play fairly. All right, that's why. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's that's great. I I also think it's like, it's really funny in StarCraft where like you can have map control, but then you can have like extra super hard map control sometimes you know or like it's a super hard contain or something and it's a very different experience but you also feel like you have such a huge degree of control in those situations and uh you know that even if you you know maybe something slips out or something like that you know you're still in a really good spot so you know that's that's always good it's also really fantastic when you can punish whatever weird proxy shenanigans uh without it getting out of hand and without it uh really affecting you at all it sounds like it, it sounds like you were just super ready and um it, it's not allowed to spiral and then you're just in a great spot you know just from just from surviving yeah i was there was a point in that game where i started to feel kind of twitchy like i needed to do something but i just i i realized that like i had all of the map controlled like there's nothing that could happen that I would not know about. So I was just like, you know what? It's fine. I, I don't care. I don't care. We're just going to keep going through it. We're going to try and push in little by little. If we can't get somewhere, we can't get somewhere. I have this guy on two bases. It does not matter. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good stuff, man. Yeah, it was. It, that was just it was such a, a satisfying way to like end a ladder session. Yeah, no, that, it's always good to end on a high note. I, I totally, uh, I totally agree with that. And, you know, you gotta sometimes you gotta ride the triumph out, and uh, it's something that I did and that I learned in uh, high school baseball, where uh, you know we do we do hitting practice in the cage, and uh, you always end on a good one, always. 
even if it takes an extra like 10 pitches you always end on a good good solid contact and uh it's something i try to do all the time yeah absolutely i mean that's really all i had for like my ladder session and my highlights and lowlights uh did you have any further thoughts on ladder experiences well not really i think we uh i think we covered it quite a bit all right in that case we can go ahead and move on to the topic of tonight which is going to be about pros we're just gonna kind of shoot the shit about some of our favorite pro players uh talk about why we follow them what we learn from them why we enjoy watching them just really we're just going to be talking about pros honestly so uh captain happa why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off okay um I w- when I was thinking about this, too, I-, I think I'm very grateful that we have such a dynamic and interesting scene that we do because the more the more variety of pros that I watch and become acquainted with, the more I'm, like, just fans of them in general. Even if I'm not a huge fan of them, I'm still like, oh, they, you know, they play interestingly or, you know, like, they play different. Or I think there's so much, like, expression in how you can play StarCraft and how you can play a way that is unique to the individual and uh you know I, I i say this a lot too it's like if you go into someone's stream and you're and you watch them ladder like you you learn a lot about the type of person that they are and how they conduct themselves or you know their tendencies and their uh thoughts and feelings like you can see it manifested uh in in the gameplay uh which i think is just phenomenal um i so i i guess the one player i want to start talking about with is Cyril. As as a Zerg, you you cannot look at Cyril and not be impressed. Um, I think the thing for Cyril is that in my eyes, he plays the closest to perfection that anyone is capable of. Like it is, it's not only like really well executed. I feel like in pretty much every situation, he does exactly what you should do. You know, like, it's very rare that he uh, misreads things. It does happen, but it's rare, and it has to be, like, it has to be sold in a very specific way, you know? But it's also, you know, you you listen to the casters, and they always talk about how, uh, you know, the two lings always sneak in. Cyril will always see the entire main base, you know? Even, Even if he's being denied a scout, he'll still know enough about the scout to figure it out and to understand the correct response. And uh, as far as like being a, you know, macro, flexible Zerg, he is always just uh, super on point and it's it's beautiful. It is it is a masterpiece to watch um, and I'm a big, big Serral fanboy and uh, I am always constantly cheering for him. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Captain Hapa's stream does feature a uh, Praise Serral channel point reward uh, where you get a couple of minutes to just praise Serral and hope that he blesses your Zerg Ladder games, which is honestly fantastic. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoy watching Serral just for his, like, just his level of control is incredible. And the fact that he can make some of those decisions in a split second and usually making the right one at that second, it's like, it, it's really all inspiring to see. Um, and it's also really funny to, you know, like watch him on stream or watch him in interviews where he just like crushes somebody 
And in the interview, he was just like, well, I could have done that better. It's just like, come on, Cyril, come on. That was almost perfect. You, you can't get much closer. I think, I think those interviews show a lot about his character too. And a lot of it is um, he holds himself to a very high standard. And, you know, from an outsider, even from like other pros, they look at Cyril and they're like, yeah, he's pretty much perfect. But like to him, he is holding himself to an even higher standard than we can even comprehend or imagine. Um, and it's it's truly incredible. And and the other thing that really like so the year the year of Cyril, which was 2018, where he basically won everything. And I think he lost only like a couple of maps that whole year, pretty much. Um Super impressive, just as a feat. Uh, but you know, this this was also like the first like full year where I like watched StarCraft, so like it it obviously affected me. Um, but but to me, the most impressive thing about that year is not necessarily the fact that he won everything. Like that's impressive for sure, but it's how he won everything, right? In every series and every matchup he played, he just like was almost never in a bad position. You know, like he was, he was so on top of it. He was so, uh, just prepared and decisive in his victories where I, I felt like it was impossible to argue that he is not the greatest because it, it's just, it didn't matter the style. It didn't matter the race. He would beat you and he would beat you in a way that like was perfect, you know? And, uh, that's something that I always, I always think about. Yeah, I mean, during during 2018, it didn't even seem like some of those games were even close, honestly. Like, Serral just, God, he was on such a tear that year. And, I mean, he he's still definitely, I would say, in top form. Like, by no means is he, you know, people on Reddit like to say stupid stuff like, oh, Serral's been washed up. It's like, no, Serral's never been washed up, and he's still crushing shit all the time. Like, I don't you know they take somebody takes one map off of them and it's just like oh Sarah, how we fallen from grace and it's just like no no i mean did you see how well he was like controlling his units like it's, i don't know it's, it's stuff like that kind of annoys me but oh oh yeah i mean i'm as as a big Sarah fanboy i'm also very annoyed by that those statements but 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 the thing that uh i think i think honestly the the biggest challenge to Sarah is that the fact that the the entire scene has elevated in skill from that year, right? And not only have they, uh, have we had players kind of rise up, you know, the Rainer and the Clem and all that, uh, even even a lot of the other EU guys have, have also just increased in skill quite a bit as well. Um, but the other thing I'll say is that if you were to pick anyone, uh, anyone in the scene versus Serral, and you would say they're going to play a series together, and who's your favorite? With the exception of, like, two people, you will always say Serral, right? You could argue, you could argue a couple more, but, like, for the most part, I would still always feel confident in Serral's ability to win there. And, uh, you know, that's that's why I'm, I'm definitely part of the Serral greatest of all time boat, but... Um, I just, it's just, it's just so much fun, and I love, I love watching him play, and, uh, I think he's hilarious in interviews as well, and, uh... I'm I'm just a I'm a big Yuna Yuna fanboy. Yeah, who do you think those uh, other two people are? <clears throat> oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we could maybe talk about them in a, a second or two. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's all I have to say about Serral, Really, I mean, like, uh, he's he's definitely one of my favorite players to watch, and uh, 
he also just the meme the meme for me with the the church of Cyril is like he he shows he shows the zergs the way he shows what you should do you know and he shows what an appropriate response to this is you know and and uh if you're if you're looking for guidance i i feel like Cyril can can always provide it to a wayward zerg honestly yeah i mean honestly i feel like he's the one who kind of opened the doors up for you know the eu scene to really like pop off internationally i mean not to say that the eu scene was ever bad by any means but like when Cyril took, you know, the WCS cup, like suddenly Europe was just popping off with all sorts of talent. I mean, like, you know, he was like, he was the first, he was the one who genuinely led the way for, you know, foreigners to be extremely competitive. You know, everybody started following suit and now we have, you know, incredible pro players like across the world. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's also, uh, he was definitely the first to, to win, you know, that BlizzCon equivalent uh whatever whatever it is now but he, he was definitely the first to break through like that but um, again the entire scene i think is just uh on an incredibly high level uh in in all regions you know and, and this is another thing but like i kind of love that there are different regions with different styles right because i think it makes for a more interesting uh kind of meta and a kind of matchups it makes the matchups more interesting because if everyone played like an eu zerg i mean like i'd be okay with it but like <laughs> It, it's it follows a trend you know and you know you throw someone like dark in there and it, it's different you know and it's 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 spicier or it's it's uh it's just a different approach and, and i kind of like that these styles can develop in their own sort of environments and when they go head to head it, it makes it for for quite a bit quite 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 a bit exciting you know yeah i absolutely agree speaking of uh, foreign Zerg players. I mean, it, this feels like an opportune time to talk about uh, Rainer, one of the Zergs who is vying to knock Serral off of his throne. Man, what like what can you say about that kid? Like he, God, he like not only is he like you know phenomenal on the StarCraft Two stage, that, he's so funny too. Like he like every time I see him smile, like I can't help but to smile with him. Like damn. Yeah, no, he's uh he's definitely quite a personality, and uh, he, he's he's quite he's quite a uh, incredibly incredibly skilled player. And uh, if if I were to compare like Rainer Rainer and Serral, uh, I would say that that Rainer leans more towards pure speed and pure mechanics. Um, not to say that Serral is slow, but I think Rainer has that speed and quickness. Uh, a lot more emphasized than Cyril. And like he jokes around with, about it too in, in interviews and stuff. And he's like, yeah, you know, I just fast hands, no brain, you know, whatever. Like we just kind of go for it. And like, um, honestly, that's that's reflected a lot in his play. And uh, because he's so fast, he's allowed to, to get away with a lot of things. And he's allowed to, uh, he, he can make things happen just just from the speed of his abilities you know and uh i i i don't know how many times where i've seen this is usually like a versus clem thing or something like that but like it's these moments where it's these clear like oh shit moments like the hellions are in the natural right the hellions have like already slipped by the queens and it's this moment of like oh shit and like i think every zerg has had that where you're like uh I'm out of position. Oh God. And like, you already know that at least like 10 drones are going to die. Right. But somehow Rainer can get out of those situations 
kill every Hellion and lose, like, one drone. And it blows my mind because, like, you just know that situation has already started terribly for Raynor, right? Like, he missed it. He's out of position. This is bad. And, you know, or Clem has capitalized on this opportunity. But uh, the ability for him to to manage the crisis with with such precision and such speed and to barely take any damage at all is ludicrous and it it surprises me every time yeah just uh as a testament to how fast and precise he plays his usual practice schedule is going up against like lambo and harstum as they're they're in archon mode that's just that's insane to me i cannot imagine playing against you know two other people of my same skill level in an archon match and like he does very well too I remember Harstam talking about it and what he and I, I, there's there's two other people that he usually archons with. I know one of them's Lambo, but what they would do is they would actually split the Hellions up and really like test how well Raynor can uh, like deal with this like the split up aggression. And Raynor would just he would literally have two groups of queens and just like split them up as needed and then rejoin that group. And he's doing all of this like on the fly and responding to all of this like with just like lightning speed. It's it's kind of like it's insane to think about. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that. And it's it's such a cool thing too. It's like it's the total like, you know, hyperbaric time chamber training, like from Dragon Ball Z kind of stuff to me is is what I got. And it's just so cool. Um I do think I remember him saying that one time they tried it like three on one, like it was like a laser Lambo and Harsum or something like that. And like, he was like, yeah, that was a little too much. Cause like, cause like a laser would be like microing, like, like two Hellions, like separately or whatever. And he was like, yeah, it was a little too much, but like, it, it also just, you know, if you're playing Clem or something like that, like you need to be challenged to get good practice, you know? And, um, it's, it's really amazing to, to hear about pros, you know, doing, doing stuff that that's that that is that interesting and that demanding you know like uh it it blows my mind that that he can even do that at all let alone get decent practice out of it you know yeah not to mention he's also a tad unpredictable too another kind of story is um like he was talking with smix and smix was just like uh you know rainer it seemed like you like what happened to the lurkers? Like you were playing lurker all the time last, like last week. And he's like, no, no, fuck lurker. And it's just like, what? (laughs) Like his style kind of switches up from time to time. And you know, that's kind of hard for other opponents to actually deal with. Yeah. He, he definitely has a certain like wildness to his play. Um, I think it's honestly, I think it's been toned down like in the more recent years. Cause when he was like really young and like, given Cyril a run for his money, even when he was, like, ineligible to play in WCS, he was definitely a lot more chaotic than he is now. I think he's also been... Um, I think this happens as you are the, uh, the quote-unquote, better player in a matchup, right? Like, you learn to just play more conservative and less wild, but more consistent, right? And more like, I'm better than you, I'm just going to macro better than you and win. And uh, because he still has to play the people that, you know, he can kind of walk over. Uh, I think he's he's learned to kind of adjust that. And uh, he plays a little more standard, but he still he still has the wildness and he still has a lot of uh, that ability uh, to be kind of chaotic or kind of weird. 
Um, but again, it's all it's all speed, man. It's it's those hands. They're just they're just clicking those buttons, you know. <laughs> I wish I could click buttons that fast. That'd be amazing. I'm trying to think. Actually, yeah, let's go ahead and just talk about Clem since we went ahead and mentioned him and fast hands. Like, holy. Honestly, one of the things that kind of shocks me whenever I like watch a Clem stream or something is sometimes it just seems like he has this like really calm demeanor as he's like playing at these insane speeds and he's like splitting against banelings and like dropping widow mines somewhere else and like just doing all of this crazy stuff. Like it, it really does seem like he does have uh it's just this like weird level of composure as he's doing all of these quick things. Now granted it's it is he does get uh like a bit tilted whenever it comes to like really big events and we've you know we've seen him on camera kind of get agitated. But you know he's also still just like he's still pretty young and you know, I've definitely gotten tilted on camera before, so I can't really judge all that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, again, similar to Rainer, his his speed is unparalleled. And uh, it, it, it plays out in a different way than Rainer's speed does. I think that's a lot how, like, Terran has to, 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 to work, you know? Um, but but it's also, like, if, if you ever get a chance, I really recommend looking watching Clem's stream from his perspective because it is uh ludicrous the things that he is doing all at once and you kind of forget it sometimes if you're just watching a game through an observer but like he he's he's switching his his production around in between like reaper shots you know like like in between like two reaper shots he'll go back he'll switch his add-ons and then he's still using the reaper you know and it's like it's it's ludicrous the the amount of speed and uh the screens is is very uh uh, very quick and very fantastic. Clem in his element, like Clem playing the TVZ that he wants to play, uh, where it's very tempo-based and very, uh, I'm in your face, I'm never going to give you a chance to relax, and I'm just going to keep attacking you until you run out of larva and die. Um, when Clem can do that, he is incredible. He's, he's like untouchable. And uh, I, I kind of, like, I was definitely thinking about this during uh, the most recent Home Story Cup, State Home Story Cup, um, because you had games where uh, Clem and Rainer would play, and Rainer was one of the few people to say, I know how you play, and I'm going to try to play you in that way. You know, I'm going to try to match your speed with my speed and just play like a normal, like, Ling Bane fest or whatever. And and Clem Clem picked him apart. Clem Clem did incredibly well versus that. And even though, um, you know, it, it didn't pan out, it was it was an incredible incredible display of Clem's uh, expertise within that matchup. And I I always describe Clem as this kind of tempo. The tempo that he sets is ludicrous, and it is it is a tempo that is a rhythm that is unlike any other Terran that that plays at all and uh it blows my mind every time yeah it's like it's kind of funny to because he reminds me of like almost a faster version of Byun in a way or maybe even like Byun when he was in his prime because I, I know that there was a uh there's a clip of either Maru or Byun but they were microing three fights at the same time and it seems like every time I hop into Clem's stream that's just what's happening at all times and it's like it's just it's just so fun to watch and 
like I, I know that I definitely am not at a level where I can, you know, multitask that much or just like split up every single Marine so that every Banley has to connect with one Marine. But I, I don't know. It, it, every time I watch him, I just feel really inspired. Like every time I watch him play against literally anybody win or lose, I like, I watch it. I'm like, God, I want it. I want to be like Clem. And you know, sometimes you're going to see a lot of ladder Terrans who are suddenly just like drops are pretty damn cool. But, uh, yeah, I like, I just, I love watching him so much. He kind of, he's almost kind of filled the, uh, him and hero Marine have kind of filled the, uh, void in my heart where innovation and TY used to be. So I don't know. I, I just, I enjoy watching him so much. Yeah. I, I also think the other thing about Clem that, that always impresses me is like, he's doing, he's doing the load unload anti-Baneling micro and like, you know, killing Banelings, making the Zerg take bad trades and, um, just just the rhythm of how he like picks up runs away unloads again picks up like even that that little dance he does that he does that so much faster than everybody else i still remember like the first time he was playing Cyril in like a big series and like you you could tell like there's this certain rhythm of like okay lings and banes come out you pick up you run away you you unload somewhere else and you pop back in but he would just like go out and then pop back in like almost instantaneously you know and like it's incredible, and uh, I I love I love watching Clem. The the other thing, oh, this is the other thing I want to say, is that uh, it always blows my mind too. Because as a viewer, you're watching these like Banelink connections, right? And my brain doesn't have a lot of time to think about what's happening. It's it's really I just look at the trades and I'm like, is this a good trade or bad trade? That's all I have time to think about. But then you look at the mini map and you're like, oh shit, Clem's on five bases, <laughs> you know? Like, oh yeah, of course, of course he is. Like. Um, and this, it's that sort of stuff that like sometimes it's easy to miss that on the cast, but it's always like locked down. And you're like, so not only is he doing these insane trades with the Banelings, he's also already expanded twice, you know? And uh, you, you don't get that experience sometimes when you're observing, but man, it is it is beautiful, beautiful to witness. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Just one more thing about uh, his micro is, you know, it, it did kind of inspire me to work on my own and you know if i have like a medevac and i'm trying to like save a cyclone i'm like pick up drop pick up drop pick up drop and you know i get like a couple extra kills with it or i even get it out alive i'm like damn that was pretty cool and you know granted it is because you know diamond two but you see clem do it while also going into a production cycle while also microwing a fight on the other side of the map and it's just like hmm I guess that's what I, that that's what that's what I need to work towards. Not just focusing on this one medevac floating, you know, like two k two k. Yeah, and, it, and I think it's one of those things where it's like, he he's one of those Terrans where he just does he just does it all, you know, and he he does it at a tempo. And, and you know, even Maru, like even Maru, when Maru's microing his heart out, he might miss a beat on the production cycle. He's not going to completely abandon it, but he might. There might just be a little a little hiccup. But I feel like Clem will almost never have those hiccups, and uh, it's it's beautiful. Well, see, I think I think with Maru though, he usually has a better late game composition than Clem does. Like he, I, I think he, like his. Don't get me wrong, like his his early and mid game are also incredible, and they're and very fun to watch. His micro is incredible. His decision making is incredible. But it always seems like he's more kind of thinking about 
like the transition into the late game. Like if you watch him play against like Protoss players, like he always he's always starting to like set up missile turrets everywhere to try and like deal with the carriers or he's building up battle cruisers or you know, he like some of his games or some of his late games are like they're really incredible to watch. And he's you know, he's also doing something similar where he's like trying to put out two fires at once and dealing with, you know, pushes on two sides. But Maru does will probably miss more production cycles than Clem does pretty regularly, but I, I think Maru's biggest thing is that like he's going to try and get into the late game, whereas Clem is like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I, I, I think it was Rainer talk about this, uh, where one of Maru's greatest strength is if he gets in a bad spot, he just turtles up and he's like, congratulations, you're playing late game versus me. <laughs> and like, even even if like whatever push he did like got obliterated or like he took SCV damage or whatever it is, he has an ability to just be like, all right, it's turtle time, and he will he will play almost flawlessly from that position, and um, it's it's one of these things too where uh, I think Clem sometimes struggles with that. I think he's gotten better with it in the current day, but there would be games where something doesn't go Clem's way. It, he he hasn't he he has a tendency to stick to the same plan that he was trying to do, which is just tempo and push and be annoying and be in your face all the time um whereas maru has one thing go wrong and he's like all right let's strap in i'm gonna get some libs and ghosts and uh it's in a whole nother ball game because i remember rainer complaining about this because rainer was like really frustrated that that maru would just you know get into a bad spot and then turtle up and then you know eight minutes go by and it's an even game you know it's uh it's it's just an interesting dynamic and uh the other thing I'll say about Clem is that Clem's Clem is still growing and developing as a player. You know, not only mentally but also just situationally and and um, strategically. And th there were times where uh, you know Rainer would do really well versus Clem because Clem would do stuff where you know the whole rally is across the map, right? And there's nothing to the third, so you know you just go to town on on the third base mineral line. Um, but he's become a lot more solid and a lot more well-rounded. So. He can he can cover his bases and he can defend the third while still being the same annoying aggro in your face kind of Terran and uh, I, I I really look forward to this continuing evolution because even in Home Story Cup, Serral did did some changes that were to me very specific anti Clem changes in his choices. Right, one of the one of the first things that I noticed and this was like last year is that Serral will rarely make Mutas versus Clem. Like it is not, it is not a good investment, you know, and it is not something where you can catch Clem sleeping on the defense with the mutas or picking off add-ons or whatever. Like it just won't happen. So Serral will rarely make mutas. He did some stuff where he, uh, he made, he was very Hydra heavy. Like he made, he made more than 12 Hydras in many situations just to kill Widow Mines. And uh, it was just really interesting to see that. The other thing Serral did is he did a lot of like, uh, just like safe roach openers, you know, and it's not roach openers that I'm like, I'm going to one one and kill you. It's just I'm going to make, you know, 14 roaches so that you cannot dance around and be very Clem ish. And uh, I'm really interested to see how Clem kind of responds to that, because because I could tell that like Clem was like a little, you know, just maybe not not flustered, but like it's just it's just different, you know, and Sarah, Sarah would never do that versus any other player right and and Cyril would never make like safety roaches to deal with a bio player like it's it's unheard of but for Clem it it, it worked pretty well honestly 
Yeah, I mean that kind of just that kind of does just show the difference between you know like a really seasoned player versus somebody who's like just now breaking into the pro scene, regardless of how good they are. You know, Cyril's like, you know, both of them are planning it out, of course, but you know, Cyril kind of has an idea, just like okay, so Clem is going to try and get in my face immediately and kill me with or like just kill me with bio and just be extremely high paced. How do I bring that pacing down? It's definitely not something that I tend to think about whenever I like hop into a ladder match. That's for damn sure. But, you know, I, I, I feel like as time goes on, like, you know, Clem is I, th I think Clem's just going to be the best Terran. I, I genuinely think Clem's going to be the best Terran, not just EU. I think he's going to be like worldwide best. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree with that. And uh, he's 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 so much fun to watch. You know, even even if I'm rooting for the Zerk, I'm I'm still excited, you know. There were a lot of home story cup matches where I was definitely I was rooting for either Rainer or Serral just because I'm Zerg and I like to root for the Zerg. Uh, but the fact that Clem wins, I'm just like, yeah, like of course he does. You know, like <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I I get it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way with like Rainer and Serral. Like that's just, that's just it's it's so much fun to watch him play. Uh, we should probably talk about a Protoss pro before some of our Protoss listeners decide to log off. I, I do want to talk about Harstam for a second because God, just for starters, he's a fantastic pro. He is like, he's genuinely good. He's even beaten, like he beat Maru recently. Like I, I think he is a very, very solid Protoss player, but he's also a very avid content creator. And that that's not something you usually see with pro players. It's usually it's like they are focused almost solely on, you know, the next tournament. And Harstam has just been cranking out all of this like crazy good content. And it's not just like, you know, like build order guides or, you know, just like just VODs of his uh, of his recent plays. Like he's been doing some really cool stuff where he's like, you know, beating Grandmaster with stupid stuff. Is it or uh, is it Imba or do I suck? And, you know, especially with the beating Grandmasters with stupid stuff, he is showing a very high level of being able to beat people with bullshit. It's, it's so funny to watch some of those because, you know, it's just. Like he goes and just like stomps people with campaign compositions or like, you know, I have 15 outposts that I have to attack from. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Anyone, first of all, devoting the time and resources to being a pro gamer is a ludicrously high investment. So anytime, anytime any pro player is dabbling in, you know, just content content, uh, I, I think we should always be very, very lucky and very happy to have that. And Again, I agree. Like, you know, the rank roulette is like pretty pretty groundbreaking stuff and it's always he's a very charismatic guy, you know, and uh it's it's definitely reflected in his content and uh it's great. It's refreshing, you know, and it's um it's it's fun to watch. And I, I love rank roulette. I think it's uh I think it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean it, it it's just it's so shocking that he can be such a good player and like hang out with the likes of Sarah Rayner, Clem. And, you know, still be able to, like, put out content and stuff like that. And I do want to focus a little bit on his gameplay. It's just, God, he, he's just such a solid player. But he also has a, just a smorgasbord of builds, like, prepped and ready to go at any moment. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably less familiar with Harstam as a player than I am as him as a streamer, content creator, personality, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, he's he can definitely hang. He can definitely hang with the rest of the EU guys, you know? Yeah, it, it, like it just reminds me of the. Uh, there was one game, actually, I think there were two games fairly recently where Harstam took Serral to like forty minutes in two games, and like 
they got into you know like a base trade type of uh, scenario, and like the the level of control that it takes to be able to hang with Cyril in those type of situations is that's no easy feat. Like regardless if you win or lose, if you can take Cyril to forty minutes after a base trade where it comes down to like exclusively like like micro and being able to like shift your units around at like the exact appropriate time where you just die, like that's that that takes a lot of skill. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and and Cyril's ZVP is is particularly strong, even for Cyril. Like it, it he's so solid, and like it's very hard to get uh, shenanigans pulled off on him, uh, especially in that matchup. He just Cyril just does not uh, just doesn't let that happen, you know. And uh, so it takes a lot. It takes a lot to to throw punches in a ZVP versus Cyril for sure. I can I can bring up another Protoss. Uh, the the one that I always find the most stylistically interesting is is Parting. I think he's he's just uh he's got the he's got the YOLO the YOLO spirit in there and you know he has he has incredible micro and control and I don't play PvT but whenever I watch him blink stalkers into a Terran's base, my jaw's on the floor every time. Especially when I when it's a game where it's like, Alright, Terran's got a bunker, he's got a tank, he's got a tank on the low ground too, like he's fine. Like there's no way he does anything. And then you know, a couple of volleys later, a couple of stalker blinks later, parting standing on top of the production. And you're like, uh, I think he broke this. Like, I think he just wins. And it, 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 it makes stalkers look so incredibly powerful and broken. And, uh, it's incredible. It's fun to watch. It's, it's very dynamic and very, uh, you know, I'm always a big fan of these, these big commitments to pressures and these, these big commitments that, that force your opponent into these situations or, you know, even if they deflect the first round, you know, you get, you can, you can keep building off of it. You can keep the pressure on, you can keep the commitment there. Um, and I think parting does that better, uh, better than anybody else, honestly. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely probably one of the more aggressive protosses, uh, in the pro scene right now. Like maybe Max Pax, uh, could have competition with him, but I mean, he is, he will get in your face and kill you. Um, it just, I, I love I love parting. I I really love parting. But every single time uh, somebody says, "Yo, did you see parting versus insert Terran here?" I die a little bit on the inside. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's so good. He's so good at it. Is like his aggression is uh, like it, it just feels unsurpassed. I mean, it's like you said. Like he could just blink stalkers and and just win in a situation where anybody else would have lost. And I mean, the funny thing is, is that like sometimes you see other Protoss players try to mimic him and just fail. Like it really is a testament to just how well he can execute these aggressive builds and how well he can micro those like stalkers around. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of it, too, where because he he plays like that a lot, because he's in those situations a lot, you can really see like the experience and the knowledge that he has within those like super intense micro aggression uh, sort of attacks right and and like he knows that like all right you kill this one tank you maybe you take a little damage diving on it but then you come back out you warp in again and you you kind of try to fish for something else and like there's there's a lot of um there's just a lot of uh experience and persistence in a way that 
you know, if, if you were to see someone else do that, who's maybe more, you know, middle of the road stats esque, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't have the same thing. But but you can tell Parting's been in that situation thousands of times, and and always knows the way to make it work. And it, honestly, it looks it looks really easy. And it, it's one of those things too, where it's like, yeah, don't don't copy this build. Like, <laughs> this is not this is not a beginner friendly build. Like, I know it looks like stalkers can can always win, but like. Uh, they are expensive, and if you are not good at this game, you will get destroyed, and uh, it's it's brutal like that. Yeah, I remember when the Parting Three Gate Blink like first started making the rounds. I actually did switch over to Prodos and like just tried it out for a couple of games, and there were definitely a couple of times where like I blinked in and <laughs> just lose all the stalkers. Just be like, what do I do now? Parting never Parting wins by this point. What the hell do I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm supposed to camp the production now with all of my stalkers. Yeah, it's like I I don't want to say like don't try it at home because it like if you get it to work, it actually is really fun and you can get some really salty terrans. But uh, yeah, I, I I would say give it like give give some of these builds a try because they actually are like if you can nail it, it's really really fun. Yeah, I mean I, I would say like you know use it your own risk, right? Like it's it's uh. It's scary. I mean, some of those people try to make stalkers versus me in uh, in PVZ, and like it's it can kill me, but uh, I have to be very surprised. And sometimes I am surprised <laughs> it does work. But uh, man, it's uh, it's a wild ride, that's for sure. Yeah, I like I've um like I've had a couple of friends just like try stalkers versus Erg, and like the big thing is is that you would better have a really good economy to back it up because you're gonna lose a lot of stalkers and. Either that or like your blink micro has to be on point. And parting's is. And parting can make it happen. Actually, yeah, speaking of parting, let's just go into max packs. Probably one of the more inventive Protosses um, in the pro scene. Just a quick anecdote about max packs. Uh, the first time that uh, battery overcharge came out, you know, there would be a lot of people who would say like oh well then every single time you like do a cannon rush or you know proxy a bunch of batteries they just throw a nexus down next to it and most people were just like that would never happen and then max packs did it and won the game oh yeah i mean like i i love that there's like this legendary story of max packs too where it's like even going back to like what was it beastie beastie like ran it onto him on the ladder when he was like when he was like 13 on like his dad's account or something like that and he invented it was the max packs like pylon gate or whatever i don't know the specifics but it was revolutionary and it was uh surprising and uh i just love that there's like this mythological aspect to him and you know he's been he's been going out for all these ept cups and and you know going going in pretty deep runs i think he's won uh, i know he won one uh week or two ago in the eu at least but uh, he he always does pretty well, and he he's one of these players too. Where like I feel like he he only can grow and become much much better, you know, because he has he has certain elements to him that are very unique and and certain styles that are very very much his, you know, even if it's very void ray focused or whatever it is. Um, he has he has a a way of doing things his own way, and I I always love to see that in a player, and uh, it's it's always exciting to to see something that's that's different. Um, I do think there are some areas for improvement, but he's young, you know, he's a young guy and uh, he'll, he'll definitely have time to do that. And the fact that he's even, 
doing as well in the EPT cups, which, you know, always have very stacked lineups is, is great. It's great for his competitive growth and his experience and, um, you know, just learning how to play a series versus all these guys and doing it week after week. Uh, I, I love it. And I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like a lot of his recent games, he's been able to show that he can also play standard pretty well as, as well. You know, he like, you know, initially he was like this like grab bag of, you know, like arguably cheesy or all in builds. But I mean, he recently he's been able to show that like, hey, I can, you know, take Lambo into the late game just fine off of, you know, an, like a quote unquote normal build. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you say. He He's young. He um he has a lot of different aspects to him that can make him a dangerous player. And honestly, he's sometimes just fun to watch. I mean, like, you know, most pros are, but there's there's sometimes whenever, you know, you see a, a him bring out a Florencio build and you're just like, the fuck just happened? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, I think it's he's he's very dynamic and he's very young. So, you know, it's 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 always interesting. Also, the other the other week when he won the the EPT weekly, the EU, which I think it was the first time he won EU because Roddy Roddy was making a big deal out of it. Um, and Roddy interviewed him and he was like, yeah, you know, my chat, my chat was blowing up and they were all cheering for you and, you know, saying go Max Pax and all that. And he was like, does that bring a smile to your face? And Max Pax was like, no. <laughs> and Roddy was like, uh, I, uh, did you hear what I, <laughs> it was just really, it was just a really funny moment, but Hey, the interview skills that can, that can come later. <laughs> Yeah, let him win a couple of tournaments and then, you know, he can improve on that. I don't really have any other pros that I'd really like to talk about. Do you have any others uh, in your list of favorites? Oh, yeah, I want to talk about a laser because a laser is like... Oh, God, yeah, I forgot you said that. I forgot you said you talked about that. That's okay. That's okay. I was going to bring it up anyway. So, <laughs> uh, so like, so originally my, my former spirit animal player was probably Sue, but since he is no longer actively playing, I've, I've kind of, uh, shifted that towards a laser cause he's, he's, he's in a way a spiritual successor. I think they're, they're still a little different in their application, but I just love, uh, watching a laser play. And, uh, I think one of the best qualities he has is his, his killer instinct and his decisiveness because I, I am of the same philosophy where it's like oh yeah just kill him like you know like uh, we don't need to we don't need to drag this out i'm in a good spot i can win and i will you know like um i personally love that especially as a zerg uh just to have that decisiveness and to say no no the game ends now and you just do it i still remember just you know He'll he'll scout he'll scout the first couple of units and he'll be like all right i'm just gonna do this one thing here and this one thing here and you're dead and uh it's it's beautiful and uh it, it's one of these things too where it's like that's why i always pat myself on the back too when i make an on the fly decision and it works because i i try to you know i, I try to see what can work you know and, and sometimes you don't know until you try and uh, sometimes you learn that it's a very bad idea but i think having that ability to just be like yeah the game can end now is is my dream it's my dream to have that fully recognized yeah, I, I absolutely agree. He just has this, it seems like at all times he knows exactly what the game state is. And like, that's, that's not an easy skill to get figured out. I mean, of course, we still have, you know, the meme of uh, the 11 laser overlords being built at one time. But, you know, 
he's still so so precise when he knows when he can kill you like it's insane he is there's like there literally is like a switch flips and you're dead yeah it's, it's incredible he has he has dipped back on the laser lords everyone still memes it but like it's not if you look at it it's not as bad it still happens don't don't get me wrong it still happens but it's it's less frequent um the the other thing i i personally he's one of my favorite players to watch in zvz um zvz is uh just such an incredible matchup and i i really enjoy it and if if there's an a laser rainer or a laser serol or you know any anything like that i am always i am always going to watch it because it's one of my favorite things and i think a laser is especially good at some of these mind game builds and some of these like all right serol's going to see this he's going to think that this is happening and then we're going to do this um I think this happened recently when uh, I think Miko beat Rainer a couple times. I didn't see the games, unfortunately, but like I think I read some tweets from Rainer where he was very annoyed. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's that's classical laser is like selling the story in a ZVZ and doing something that is kind of probably dumb. But if you sell the story, it's not and it works and you win almost for free, <laughs> you know, like um and so, you know, I, I love ZVZ and I love the, the trickiness. And I honestly think a laser is one of the better tricksters in, in those kind of situations. And uh, I, I love it so much. Yeah. And I mean, he's been he, like, he's been around for a long time, too. Like, he, he's one of the like old hands when it comes to uh, StarCraft 2 tournaments. Like, he's God, he, he's been around for so long. And I like I, I just I love being able to watch him. I love that I've been able to watch him for all of these years now. He is such a fantastic player. So I had to I had to bring up a laser. I don't know. Uh, honorable mention. I love I love Astrea and Zest. I love Astrea because Astrea is just a uh, he's he's standard, but he also does things a lot his own way. Like uh, like I always describe it as like he's standard with a twist. Like he's standard, but he's still he's still just it it's different. And sometimes I don't even know how to describe it. But it's 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 the in it's the NA it's the NA sauce yeah. the it, little sprinkle of pepper. It's very unique, and it's it's also just it's different from the way Neeb plays Protoss, but it's very unique to Max Max Power, you know, uh, or Max Max Power Angel. Uh, his real name is Max Angel. Uh, I just I just put the power in the between because I think it's hilarious. Um, but I, I I love that, and then Zest. I also love Zest because. Zest does weird shit all the time, and Zest does stuff where you look at it and you're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and then he like doubles and triples down on it, and then it works, and you're like, well, I guess it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that just feels like a sign of like really, really solid mechanics, if you can make bullshit just work. Yeah, and, and it's it's stuff that like I can look at a game where Zest is in a position, and I'm like, yeah, he's probably dead here, but then the magic, he can make magic happen. And I, I feel like he does that in a way that no other player, Protoss or not, can do. Like, he can just make things work even even if they defy all logic. And it it's so much fun. It's so much fun to watch. And, and sometimes I'm watching the EPT Cups and I'm like, this is the most zest game I've ever seen. And <laughs> and you, you never know which way it's going to go, you know? Yeah, anytime that um, like I've I've been doing a lot of practice casting recently on my streams, and like anytime I come across like a Zest replay, I'm just like, oh boy, I don't know how I'm gonna do this one, especially if it's like PvP or something. Like God, 
Oh yeah, he can he can really thrive in the chaos too. And I think that's another like you know, if we're going to assign like the stat the stat triangle thing to all the players, I think being a chaos being a chaos player is such a specific set of attributes and being able to just be like, yeah, the game's weird, but like I know what to do. Like that's such a that's such a unique skill and there are certain players like Bly or Zest or or these people who really just like they they have such a comfort there. They 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 it's like they prefer to live in the mud, you know, and like they prefer to be in these situations that are just insane. But their ability to to get themselves out of it is is incredible. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Any other quick thoughts? No, I think I think I got them. I think I got the good ones out. Yeah, I like. I honestly, I would like to come back to this topic at some point because there's so many other fantastic pros that we like didn't really get to mention. There's Scarlet, there's Special, there's Hero Marine, some of the old hands like Innovation. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Big Gabe. I mean, how unfortunate is yeah. that? But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think we can revisit this one for sure. Yeah, this would definitely be a topic I'd love to come back to. Um, but yeah, with that being said, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and listening to us talk about some of our favorite pros and just kind of be in awe that they even exist and how like we get inspired by them and whatnot. Uh, if you go ahead and check in the chat and putting in our uh, social links in there now, definitely check out some of uh, Captain Hapa's link tree links there. He is uh, just a fantastic stream to hang out in. It's very chill, very, you're in for a very good time. Lots of memes and whatnot. Uh, do you have anything special going on? Uh, no, uh, not, not particularly. I will say that like, uh, you know, I love, I love doing this show and, uh, it's always a good time. And, uh, the, the other day yesterday I had like the podcast came up organically like three different times during my stream where, you know, either it was a person who was like talking about, uh, how they're like coming back to the game or like a person who is like, you know, saying that, uh, the the podcast has helped them ladder more or something like that like it you know it's always nice and um you know even if someone's like yeah i'm coming back to the game after like eight years and i'm like hey man like well if you're having anxiety like you can check it out and they're like yeah i'll check it out like i you know it's it's uh it's always great and you know i'm glad that you know we can we can make this and i i hope it helps and it's always nice to hear that kind of feedback and uh i love doing it so it's a it's a win-win-win yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's fantastic to be able to do this podcast with you, man. It's like, every, I always look forward to these nights just to be able to like chill out, shoot the shit and get to talk about some StarCraft 2 with one of my friends. Uh, with that being said, uh, I've been Will, Lord Cranial. You can check out all of my links there. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get back into streaming more regularly, doing a little bit of practice casting recently. So, you know, come by, check me out. Uh, that being said, the podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. You can follow any of those links, and it'll take you to our podcast page. Uh, Dan, any final thoughts? Uh, no, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for thanks for being here, Will. You, you always say nice things about my stream, and uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's always very flattering, and uh, I appreciate it a lot. And uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Good luck. Have fun out there, and we will see you on the ladder.